0: Hello there. I'm Asher Leemond and welcome to the Spoondrift podcast. Here in the show, I talk about a lot of different things, just skimming the surface of a giant ocean of information and capturing what I like to call the spoondrift. On today's episode of the Spoondrift, I'm going to be talking about decision making. <laughs> so I decide now to move forward with that discussion. Starting this episode, I actually, I actually, um, decision-making was something that was on my mind recently, and I thought it would be a cool thing to do, to do an episode on decision-making. But then I was like, I don't have a lot of time this week, so is this a good time to make a show about decision-making? And I kind of, I thought about this for for a little while, and I was like, well, okay. It doesn't change the fact that I still need to make decisions. So this information, regardless of how much time I may have to find it, is still important to me, and it's timely information. So I decided it was a good idea to make the episode about decision-making. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about how to make a decision just right there, how to make the decision. Maybe not a good one, hopefully not a bad one, but a decision nonetheless. So in doing the research for this, I of course turned to YouTube. <laughs> YouTube has a, a lot of good videos and information about decision making. And I would put an even I put more of an emphasis. I really enjoyed the TED talks that I found about decision making. Mo- and there's a number of them. And I'm going to put all of those links to the videos that I found in researching this episode in the description. So you can find the videos themselves and give them a watch if you're interested. But decision making is an interesting process. And it has always been something that people are concerned about. For as long as anyone has been making choices or having to do something that needs to be done there's always some risk involved and some uncertainty. And whenever there's uncertainty involved in doing something, you are forced to go one route versus another, accept some costs, and make a decision. So the first video that I found talking about decision-making was called How to Make Big Decisions in Your Business Without Experience. And this video does take a more entrepreneurial approach to the decision-making process, but it's still valid and it has good points. So the very first step that this video presents is defining the problem specifically and exactly. Now, this seems rather obvious because if you're making a decision, you, well, you know what needs to be done, right? Well... This video challenges that idea and says you may be thinking you need to decide on one thing when actually the underlying cause of the choice is a little different. And that's pretty vague there, but the example that they used was in the business world, you may be looking to increase traffic on your website and you may be wanting to do so through ads. And so you may ask someone, how do I make a good ad on some social media platform or some website? How do I make an ad for Spotify? How do I make an ad for Facebook? How do I make an ad for insert platform here? So whenever you're asking that person there, you think, or the way you're prompting the decision is simply making an effective ad. But the decision isn't necessarily the ad. What you're actually looking for is increasing traffic on your website. So while making a good ad on that platform may be one good way to achieve your goal, it's not ultimately the decision that you're trying to make. Increasing traffic on your website may not, the answer to that problem may not be creating an effective ad on those platforms. There may be some other solution to this problem that you have. So the decision might not be an effective ad. It may be something completely different. So you need to define the problem specifically and exactly. It's not making an ad. It's increasing the traffic. And so when you, whenever you define the problem in that very specific and concrete way, you're able to see all the different avenues and all the different options that are available to you when it comes to making the decision. The next step is researching the solution space. So now you have your problem very clearly and specifically defined. Now you can look at different ways that you may be able to solve the problem. What are your different options? Maybe it is an ad on a digital platform like social media or Spotify or something. Maybe it's an ad in a newspaper, which is a little different, or maybe it's visiting companies or college campuses and just spreading the word about your message. Understanding the different options that are available to you can help you better understand the ways to solve the problem and can make you more intelligently approach the problem and can produce better outcomes. Now after you've defined your problem, you understand the options that are available to you. Now it comes down to the the process when you have to pick one. So the next step that this video proposes is connecting with mentors. And by mentors, they're meaning people who have probably been in your shoes or people that you know have been in your shoes, people who have had to make decisions similar to what you are making right now before. Now, because of this prior experience, they may have a thing or two to say, that could help you out whenever it comes to making that decision. If someone has had experience increasing web traffic, maybe they know the different options that worked better than others. Maybe they tried something, failed, and tried something else that worked. That's the sort of inside information that a mentor can give you. Now, they did caution at this point, because mentors have already been at this area before, their experience may be a bit outdated and that's something important to acknowledge. So that leads us into the next step, verifying with your peers. So you take this information from the mentors, from people who have been in your shoes before, and ask around with people in your same situation who you know are dealing with similar things right now, and kind of run by the potentially outdated information with them. See what they're doing. And this will give you a more current view of the decision that you're having to make. And then finally, once you've done all of those things, you've defined your problem, understood what solutions are available, talked to people who have already made similar decisions, and run things by other people who are in your same area, at your same level. Now it's time to decide. And this part is where you pick what you think is the best option and you go with it. Now, this video didn't really go into how to make that choice, but it's presumably using a lot of that information that you've gathered. And then hopefully one option comes as the front runner makes itself evident. And then you decide and you go that way. Now, once you decide, this video stresses that it's important to understand that you can adjust. No decision is set in stone. You can deal, you can address how the decision goes and maybe make a a shift or as people and friends might say, decide to pivot. (laughs) And so that's another important step of the decision. Even once you've made the choice, make sure you're staying up to date with how the decision is progressing. Is it looking like it was the right one? If it's not, make some adjustments to make it the right one. And that's the outline that was given in this more business-centered decision-making process. Next up, we have a video called The Elements of Good Decision-Making, and it was a video of Dave Ramsey. Now, this video <laughs> points out that there's another option that we kind of haven't really talked about yet when it comes to decision-making, and that is not deciding And to not decide is actually a decision. You're deciding to not choose one way or the other. You don't know which one's the right one, so you do nothing. That in and of itself is a decision. And a way, I mean, sometimes it is the right decision too. Maybe you don't need to go one way or the other. Not going anywhere might be the best course of action. Now, if you actually do need to choose one way or the other and you may fall victim to procrastination. (laughs) And a way to combat procrastination that was presented in this video is to create self-imposed deadlines by recognizing the reality of an actual deadline. You say, yes, this actually has to be decided by this date. Or if there really isn't any hardcore, yep, after this date, it's done. Then you can create one yourself. If you're just tired of flip-flopping back and forth between one option and another, you can just say, okay, by the end of next week, and you got to be specific, on Friday at 5 o'clock, I will make this decision and it will be done. I will wash my hands of it. You force yourself to come to a conclusion. That's one way to kind of combat um, procrastination or an inability to choose one way or another. And another tip that this video proposed was being conscious of how much time you dedicate to a decision. And by that, they, they talked about how important decisions warrant more time than small decisions. <laughs> so if you're deciding what house to buy versus what to eat for breakfast, hopefully most people can tell which one may require a bit more thought. More than likely, it's the house. I mean, there may be a situation where I guess breakfast does become super-duper important. Like, maybe the breakfast decides what house you get. But anyway, that's a little weird. But if you're making a really important decision that has long-term consequences, like really long-term consequences, then it should be given, it should be, it should be allowed a much longer period of time to decide more time to collect information, more time to analyze the data you collected while studying the decision, and then ultimately making it. So being sure you apply enough time to make an intelligent decision is real important. All right, so those two videos were not TED Talks. The rest of the videos that we're going to be talking about are TED Talks. So this first one is called Before You Decide, Three Steps to Better Decision Making. And this TED Talk was given by Matthew Confer. Now, step one that they propose is challenging the constraints. Now, with every decision, there's usually some understood limitation as to what is a possible outcome. If I'm, let's stick with the breakfast thing. If I'm telling you, what do you want for breakfast? Probably in your mind, you're thinking of things that are breakfast-like foods, like cereal, like sausage or bacon or eggs or a biscuit, honey, those sorts of things that people often, at least in the US, <laughs> associate with breakfasts. Your mind probably already limited your thought space to those sort of foods. Now, you probably weren't thinking of mushroom soup <laughs> or bratwurst or lasagna. tacos. Most people probably weren't thinking of those foods whenever you were thinking about what to eat for breakfast. And so those are the sort of constraints that were inherently built into the decision that I prompted you with. And this video emphasizes the idea that those constraints actually limit the decision-making process. Because you don't even consider certain things as options, your outcomes are not they don't have the ability to vary as much as they could. So being able to think about the constraints that are limiting you and then maybe kind of throwing them away can lead to a, a different, to a more beneficial or a more rewarding decision-making process. Understand what barriers are holding you back and remove them. Number step two. Number step two. Okay, number two, step two. The next phase of the decision-making process that they suggest to embrace is using what they call a pre-mortem. Now, this TED Talk was given by someone who was a part of a company that visits different companies and provides decision-making suggestions, leadership guidance. So they run people through simulations and kind of talk about how they made decisions in the simulation what worked what didn't work and after the fact they have that discussion talking about what worked and what didn't work and they call that a postmortem. but they're talking about that time period there where you're reflecting on what happened is actually really important and has a lot of good things to offer to the people. So instead of waiting till the end, they suggest talking about failures that could happen before you make the decision. So consider what failure could look like for each option before you decide to go down a path in the first place. They gave a a really cool story, I think. It, It was centered in colonial India. And people were worried about the population of cobras. And so the government worrying about the cobras, they said, okay, we need to get rid of the cobras. So let's offer a bounty. If people can kill a snake and bring it in, we'll offer them some money. Now people figured out if they had a snake and they brought it to the government, they could get money. So people started breeding cobras, killing them and bringing them to the government for the reward. Now once the government figured that out, they abolished the program and then the breeders released the cobras, which made the snake problem worse. So they didn't really consider how this could potentially fail, at least they didn't consider it in every outcome, before going down the bounty solution path. So being able to look at how things could fail before you make a decision can be a very instructive part of the decision-making process. And the third step that this TED Talk identifies is making sure you don't lose sight of the basics. Now, a lot of people have probably heard of the story where a, a Mars mission had sent something out to Mars And it never made it there. The mission failed because of a units error. There were, there's a bit of a miscommunication between different teams. One team was using metric, another English, and they don't jive (laughs) so well. And the mission ended up failing because of that. It's a small thing, units, but it's an important thing. And so that sort of, uh, I guess, neglect so to speak. They lost sight of the small details, and that ended up causing a problem. So being sure that you don't forget about the, 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 the small things whenever you're making big decisions can help big decisions go well in the long run. And this TED Talk kind of wrapped things up with a cool story about Sully Sullenberger and landing an airplane in the Hudson River up in New York. And <laughs> the, the story there, I mean, obviously... Well, and it's many people know that the way this situation worked, a a plane took off from the airport, went through a flock of Canadian geese, both engines were taken out, and the pilots were forced to land the plane somehow, and Sully Sullenberger, the pilot, decided to land the plane in the Hudson River because he did not think it would be possible to make it back to the airport. That was the safest option ahead. So the speaker in this TED talk identified how Sullenberger, after contacting air traffic control, whenever they asked, okay, what runway do you need? And then Sullenberger's like, yeah, I'm not making it to the runway. I'm going to be in the Hudson. He kind of, instead of only thinking, I can only land on a runway, he kind of threw away the constraints, and said, okay, the Hudson's the next best thing. I can make it down into the river, and that's what I'm going to do. He checked the basics. He was very aware of their changing altitude and their speed whenever making the landing, and he was able to think through failure options before making the decision. He's right outside New York, highly populated area, making it back to the airport. Maybe he could do it, but there's a risk something else could go wrong and you end up crashing into a big building. Not a good idea. So all this decision-making was happening and, and he ended up landing the plane in the river successfully. So that story kind of exemplified the three different steps that were identified in this TED Talk. Now finally, we have one more TED Talk. I thought this one was pretty cool. It's called How to Make Good Decisions and it was a TED Talk given by Michael Krogerus, and Roman Schlappler. Yeah, I probably messed up that name. But it was a pretty cool one. And just a side note on a presentation uh, level, (laughs) this was a modern TED Talk, but these two guys rolled up a chalkboard onto the stage instead of using like a PowerPoint and the projector behind them, a chalkboard. And so they actually drew out images as they were talking, drew out graphs, and then erased them and drew them again. So while one guy was talking, another was drawing, and it was fantastic. I really appreciated it. I imagine that was probably something they debated for a long time on, thinking about is, is this the best way to go? How much time is this going to take up? We have very limited time as a TED Talk. Can we actually draw out all these these things on a chalkboard? Can people see them? I don't know. I imagine it was a difficult decision, but props to them, I think it turned out really great. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> they to begin off to, to begin their discussion, they talked about the information strategy. Now, making a good decision is all about taking in information, evaluating that information, and then making a choice based on that information. So they're talking about information strategy, and they plotted a graph, an XY graph, of information against confusion. <laughs> so what this is meant to do conceptually is evaluate based on how little or how much information you have, what is your level of confusion? Do you Are you able to process this information well? Or is it just too much overwhelming and your brain is not comprehending what's going on? So on the x-axis, they plotted the amount of information. So that's from left to right. On the left, you have no information. And on the right, you have infinite information as you go to infinity. And then the y-axis up and down, you plot the amount of confusion you have. At the bottom, you have no confusion. You know, you have no worries. Everything's good. As you go up, Confusion goes to infinity, and you have no idea what's happening. So the actual graph ended up being an inverted bell curve. So a bell curve, if you're not familiar with what that looks like, if you imagine the shape of a traditional bell, so it's kind of like a dome, a, a, a dome that is flared out on the bottom. It moves outward. So. Let's put that on the X, Y graph and then flip it. So that way the the flared bottom of the, gra- of the bell is up at the top and the top of the bell is at the bottom. <laughs> so if you have very little information, so if you're left on the X axis, you're extremely high in confusion. So you're up high on the Y axis. So you're in the upper left-hand corner. And by the way, I am flailing my arms around as I'm talking this through, just so you know. So a little information, lots of confusion. As you gain a little bit more information, your confusion goes down. And so that's why this graph is sloping downward. And your confusion is decreasing. So there's a point where you have the perfect amount of information. Your confusion is really low. This is a great time to make a decision. But it's not always when someone ends up making it. So as you continue to gather information, now your confusion starts to go back up again. And you start to wonder okay, wow, this is a lot, this is a lot of information. What else am I not finding? Is anything that I've found really true? Because I found some contradictory information now, and you keep gathering more, and your confusion goes up and up and up and up and up. Before you know it, you're more confused now than you were before when you didn't have any information. So it's this very prominent give and take if you have no information, you're confused. If you have some information, you're less confused. If you have a ton of information, it's back to confusion. You have no idea what's going on. So the, the trick is finding the sweet spot. Whenever you're comfortable making the decision. <laughs> uh, but the, putting this in a bit of an example, it's like if you have too few choices. If you go, they in the TED talk they talks about going to the supermarket. And I know I've heard this kind of analogy before. If someone were to present you with like two jams. Uh, Actually, that's too standard. If they were to present you with two types of pillows, (laughs) one or the other, you'd be like, "Uh, well, okay, I guess I didn't have a pillow before, and this is better, but I think there's more pillows out there than that because neither of these are super comfortable. I mean, they're okay, but yeah, I'm going to go somewhere else. Now, if you went to another store where you had 100 different pillows to choose from it's like whoa i don't have all day to sit here and try all these pillows it's a little overwhelming and you're back to feeling confused now if you go to a store and there's like six or seven pillows it's more manageable you can try them all out with a reasonable amount of time and say okay this one i like this one the best so there we have a situation where we can kind of understand having too little information confusion Too much information, confusion, a middle, ground, okay, we have enough information to make a decision. Their next stage of the decision-making process dealt with timing, (laughs) and they very aptly pointed out that in their TED Talk. They've got a glaring timer on their stage that they have to keep in mind whenever they're giving their TED Talk. So that the the timing of things impacts how you can make a good decision. And I loved this quote that they gave from Kierkegaard, a philosopher. I actually remember learning about him whenever I was in a philosophy class. But anyway, the quote was, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, you can understand life backwards, but you can only live it forwards. So that is to say, once... Once a decision has been made and you're able to see the outcome, you can look back and say, oh, wow, that was, that was a terrible choice. Why did I ever do that? But you can't know the outcome before you make the decision. So you, can't, you have to deal with uncertainty and make the decision without knowing how it's going to happen. That is the reality of making a decision. And that is something that you kind of have to embrace whenever you do make a decision. If it does turn out bad, that's okay in that you couldn't have known it was going to turn out bad. (laughs) And it also brings into focus the amount of impact that decisions have. When you make decisions early on in life, those will be the ones that will have the longest, the long-term consequences because there's more time for them to play out. And that kind of makes sense. And I like their analogy. They, they used a bow and arrow in their TED talk. There's the guy standing up there with his right arm extended and his left arm pulled back like he's about to shoot an arrow. And he says, if, you're, if the target is way far away and you're aiming and you shift just a tad to the left and you let go and fire that arrow could go way to the left of the target because you're that far away there's a whole lot of distance between you and the end and making a small adjustment changes the outcome a lot but if you're right up next to the target and you shift just to the left the likelihood of it's still hitting the target is a lot higher because there's a lot less distance for it to travel And that is a concrete way to kind of understand the impact that decisions can have on one's life. When you're making decisions as a teenager, as a 20-year-old, as a 30-year-old, there's a lot of time between that time and when you're 80 and looking back and evaluating what college you went to, who you married, what house you moved into, what breakfast you ate, (laughs) So all that time allows for the decision and the results of that decision to evolve. And timing is it's an important part of making a decision. And finally, their last stage of the decision-making process had to do with how you feel after a decision. And that is termed as regretting. How do you feel about the decision once it's been done? They point out how the level of satisfaction that is associated with an outcome is correlated. It's it's very intimately connected with how much you expected from the decision in the first place. If we're talking about breakfast and you didn't really like your Rice Krispies, That's not so much of a big deal. You probably didn't spend too much time thinking about what to eat for breakfast. I guess I must be hungry if I keep using this analogy. But if you're talking about how many children you want, that decision has very um, clear long-term consequences. And they're easily evaluated when you look at your children once they're all grown up, once you're all grown up, and you probably change, there there's probably hopefully a a big difference between the amount of time you dedicated and how much you expected from those decisions. Breakfast, eh. children, a lot. <laughs> that expectation before you make the decision. If you have a great breakfast, sure, that feels great. If you love your kids. That feels amazing. So there's a big difference in the amount of reward, I guess, you can get from a decision based on the amount of time and how much you expect to obtain from it. And that goes the other way, of course. If you don't make a good decision and you spent a lot of time thinking about it, it's probably not going to feel so good when it doesn't end up working out. Now, making the decision here... Perfection is usually the end goal. It's very lofty, but it's usually what we what people want. They want to make the right decision. <laughs> and I, I love this. They said perfection is like the Loch Ness Monster. People have heard that it exists, but no one's ever seen it. Or at least for the most part. I've, I've listened to a really good podcast on that. A Stuff You Should Know one. And they talk about the Loch Ness Monster. But anyway... It's, neither here nor there. It's it's a good it's a good way to think about perfection. And they break this down into two types of people. A satisficer, someone who makes decisions quickly just to have made them. And then someone is a maximizer. They may take a long time to think about a decision because they want it to be the perfect decision. And those two areas have opposite approaches. A would make a decision quickly just to have made one. And yes, it might be a good one. It might be a bad one, but it's more about moving forward. Whereas maximizers, they'll take longer to make the decision, but invest more energy in making sure it's the right one. And all of this comes down to dealing with uncertainty somehow. And they broke this the uncertainty down into a couple of different questions. And the questions that they identified were one, do I know enough? That's going to be one you're going to be asking all throughout the decision process. Do I know enough information? Is there more I can find out to help me make a better decision? Then the next question, is this the right time for a decision? Okay, I have all this information, but is... Should I make it right now, or would waiting a little bit make things clearer? I don't know. And then question three, what if the perfect option does exist? Could there be a better one than the ones I'm seeing right now? These are the questions that bring to light the uncertainty involved in making the decision and making the right one. And unfortunately, whenever you're making the decision, you don't have those answers. You won't know if you know enough. You won't know if it's the right time. And you won't know if there's a better option out there. That, that information usually comes in hindsight, kind of like how we were talking about before. You can only live your life forward, but it's understood backward. Yeah, you won't know these things. These are the questions that illuminate the uncertainty that is associated with the decision you're making. And they closed this TED Talk with what I thought was pretty cool. And I've actually seen, well, okay, let me tell you what it is. It's this decision matrix. And this, this little diagram used for decision making was created by Donald Rumsfeld. He was a Secretary of Defense in the United States for a period of time in the 70s. And this matrix is a 4x4 four four box I don't know why I call it a matrix. This chart, this graph, this depiction of decision-making was a box split into four different smaller boxes. of <laughs> A plus sign with a box around it. I don't know. Anyway, so on the left side, you have each row is known, the top row known, bottom row unknown, and then the two columns, the left... Column, known, right column, unknown. So you end up with a box in the upper left-hand corner, the known, knowns, a box in the upper right corner, the known, unknowns, box in the lower left corner, the unknown, knowns, and the box in the lower right corner, the unknown, unknowns. Or sometimes it's flipped around, but you get the idea. Let's talk about what each of these boxes means. The known knowns. It's the stuff you already know, you know you know about it, and it's the information that's right there in front of you. The example they give is if you're scared of burglars, you lock the door. You know it's a risk, you know what you can do to prevent it, so you do it. It's the information that's already available. Now you have the known unknowns. This is the stuff that you know you're not aware of. The example they give for known unknowns was the stock market. It's known that the stock market will crash at some point. However, you don't know the details. So you don't know when it will crash. You don't know how it will crash. So that is a known unknown. You know what you don't know, which is weird. Sounds, again, like a Friends episode. We know that they know that we know that they know. (laughs) If you've seen that episode, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And then the next box, the unknown knowns. This is the things that you don't know you know. (laughs) And this is where the gut feeling and the intuition survives. (laughs) And it was kind of interesting. They point out how there's a different value, a different weight associated with gut decisions versus rational decisions. And if A decision you make with your gut. I just feel like the weather's not going to be so great today, so I'm going to bring an umbrella and wear a rain jacket. And then it ends up being super sunny. And you're just like, oh, oh, well. (laughs) No, I'm done. I just have my umbrella. I was over-prepared. That is not such a big deal. But the decisions that you make with thought that require a lot of effort, like I'm going to the Weather Channel or some other... Outlet to get information about the weather And it says it's going to be pouring down rain I'm consciously saying I know this is going to be a problem And you'd bring your umbrella And you dress And a jacket And then it's sunny You'd be like Uh <laughs> No That is The fault of the source, the information, you'll be a bit more angry or frustrated with the outcome if you make a rational decision versus a gut decision, which was kind of interesting and something that I inherently do know. I, I know to be true. That it, I, that makes sense to me. Anyway, so that was a kind of a discussion of the unknown knowns, a sort of gut feeling. Which is kind of cool. And then the final box is the unknown unknowns. The stuff that you don't even know you don't know. <laughs> and that isn't abundantly clear as to what that is right out front. And so they gave an example. They used Pearl Harbor, which was when the United States was pulled into World War II when Japan made an attack on Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Now the reason that was a unknown unknown is that the US didn't even know that Japan could be attacking their ships with kamikaze aircraft. It's those sort of tidbits of information that you, you're not even aware that they're even a factor in your decision making. You didn't even know you had to protect against it because it wasn't a problem in your mind beforehand. That is the unknown unknown. And so what this chart, matrix, plus with a box around it, forces you to do is really think about the decision itself and what sort of information is important to making the correct decision. It forces you to address maybe what you haven't even thought about. And it could be a helpful way to frame any decision that you're having trouble with. And actually, I remember I read a book a while ago. It was called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And it was written by Ben Horowitz. And it was kind of a leadership book. And it was framed in the context of business, running a startup, running a big company, and having to make decisions that affect lots of people every day and dealing with with the, those decisions, whether or not they were good or bad, but that that matrix popped up in that book, and I do remember learning about that in there, and I thought it was it was really interesting, and it struck me as a valuable exercise in decision making, and so I was seeing that in the TED talk, I thought was really valuable. Decision making it applies to everything, whatever you are, whatever you're studying, whatever you're working on whatever stage of life you're in you're going to have to make decisions and doing so having the tools to do so in the best possible way i think is it's it's a valuable skill and, all right i will point out at the beginning of this last ted talk the one with the the uncertainty square and everything they opened it with a beautiful example that i think is incredibly relatable most people have had experience using some sort of streaming service and they're just like okay everybody show of hands on a scale of one to ten if you open up netflix or hulu or amazon prime or something where you have a bunch of movies at your disposal and you can pick one if you open that up on a scale of one to ten how do you rate your ability to choose a movie quickly is it one i make it super fast no problemo or is it 10? I will take till tomorrow <laughs> or the next day or next week. I will never understand which one's my best option. And I thought that was fantastic. I'm definitely on the longer side of things, probably a six or a seven. I'm one to peruse for a little while, wanting to understand all the options that interest me. But I do hit a point where I'm like, okay, <laughs> I've been wandering around this space. Around this collection of movies for thirty minutes, and I could have already watched half a movie. So I'm just gonna pick one of the ones that sounds interesting. So I hit that 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 threshold of when more time is actually more detrimental to my movie watching experience than it's worth. <laughs> I thought that was that was a fantastic example that really highlights the importance. Of decision making and the ability of someone to make good decisions or quick decisions and how you make them on a on a simple and relatable scale. <laughs> and so this this whole episode is, has been a lot of talk about making good decisions. And I'm sure there's hundreds of episodes of other podcasts and blog posts out there that talk about decision-making. I mean, here I've found three or four YouTube videos that talked about it. So this one is not your one-stop shop for all the information you need to make every good decision in your life, and I am no way claiming to, for it to be that. But I do think that this episode has highlighted some effective strategies to help make decision-making easier, at least more comfortable. Uh, you can know what tools are at your disposal whenever it comes to making those decisions. Here are my music picks for this week. First, I have Broke and Lonely by Alexa Capelli, English Alternative. Moon and It Went Like by Kid Franciscoli featuring Julia Minkin, English Electronic. My Boo by Cherry Bullet, Korean Pop. Love, by Son Yi Korean Ballad My Bag by G Idol Korean Pop we'll put that in Korean Rap Dimension by Excision English Dance Hardcore Wasted On Me by Yezi English Korean Indie Pop Breathtaking by Epics, Korean Pop Until We Drink by Savannah scroll English Alternative Off by Bang. Youngguk. Korean rap. Who Am I? By Rosie. Korean alternative. Already Mine by Sam Short. English alt pop. Want You Like That by Marissa Mayno. English alternative. Love stinks, but they use a different word. By Avril Lavigne. English punk. Traces by Cruella. English dance. And finally, two songs by Stray Kids, the first of which, Charmer, which is Korean pop. And then the last one, also by Stray Kids, is Waiting for Us. That one is Korean pop. And there you have it. There's my music update. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Spoondrift. If you want to listen to the music that I talked about on this episode, you can check out my Spotify profile, The Spoondrift Podcasts, and find the Spoondrift Season 3 episode 10 playlist. For more episodes of the Spoondrift, you can visit Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spinnaker Radio's home on the web, radio.unfspinnaker.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to find the show on the internet, you can find me on Twitter. At Spoondrift Pod. That's at Spoondrift Pod. Or on Instagram at Spoondrift Podcasts. That's Spoondrift Podcasts. And with that, sweet noodles, it looks like I'm finished. I hope to talk to you next week.